0: Everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of Marketing Corner with uh, me, Casper and Jen. And Thank today you. we will be talking about uh, bosses. We often get a lot of questions from the people we mentor, or people we work with, or whatever people we hang out with. How do you how do you know if you are about to get a good boss? Um, and I think I'll uh, I'll kick it off, Jen. Have you uh, do you have any idea of how to select a boss? What are you, what are you looking for <laughs> when you try to pick a boss?
1: When pick uh, a boss it doesn't really
0: happen every day these days, but how what would you look for?
1: Well, I think it's um I think this is a really interesting topic and it's been coming up more and more especially with kind of the great resignation that they're talking about. You know, people are looking for better hours, more flexible work situations, remote and things like that and And I think ultimately people are looking for a place where they're going to be empowered and supported uh, emotionally, as well as, you know, financially and things like that. So I think in general, it's important to have a manager, a boss who um, trusts you. I think for me, the only times I have been unhappy in my roles is when I have not been trusted to do what I was hired to do. Um, And that lack of trust can take a lot of forms, such as micromanagement. That's something that I hear a lot when I mentor people, they're, they're being micromanaged and, and, you know, everything they do is being watched constantly in question. Um, and I also think, you know, when you, when you say, I think we should be doing ABC and they say well, we're going to do X, Y, Z. Um, and you're kind of always making a case for why you think you should be doing something. Mm. And I think this applies to everything, not just marketing. Um, if you're always having to make a case and, and justify every decision, it's very exhausting. And, um, you're not really going to make the progress I think that that you could usually make and perform. What do you think? I, I think uh, I think an interesting distinction you bring up here is also like marketing is also
0: a field because marketing is a lot about creative freedom, right? Like if you come back to the core of what we do in marketing, well, we mm-hmm. invent creative ways to make people aware of that the company's here and that we have good products that they can buy, right? Uh, sometimes like, so so marketing is very visible. Like it's very like we're out there, we're out in we're in your face, right? We're, we're trying to get people's attention. And sometimes because we do that, we test a bunch of different things, right? And these things fail sometimes, right? If you can't take that into account and you have someone who micromanages that, then typically you don't test as much. And so that means you fail uh, fail less frequently, but failing less frequently is not necessarily a good thing. So, so, so micromanagement is very high on my list of things to avoid. I think it's, I do want to say though, like it's, it's a hard thing to spot though. So I think uh, one question if I were to be interviewed for for a position where I had a boss it would be like how do we track tasks like get into the whole idea of like how are you how do you respond to deadlines I uh, I personally have a very um, a very loose approach to deadlines and it's going to sound wrong to some people but but I think it's something uh, I took from my former boss at uh, Templify Glenn because uh, in the beginning, when I started, I was very like, "Oh, we have a deadline. We uh, rush, 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 get the get it done." And of course, there are deadlines where it's like, "Okay." if we don't have this uh, ad ready for Super Bowl, we're going to miss the window. There's no debating here. Like, If we don't have the ad ready for Super Bowl, we're done. Uh, so, so, So sometimes, yes, you have deadlines that are very harsh, right? But my point is typically a lot of the other deadlines are something you set internally. Once you've set the deadline and you both looked into each other's eyes, I do a lot with the people I work with, the people below me and above me that I say, hey, Here's, a, I, we should can we have this done by this date? And we both look at each other and right? eye. Yes, we can do that. Okay, cool. Then I set free. Like, okay, cool. Let's get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and l- let's get to that point. And if we can get to that point, then I don't care how we get there. And this comes back to a trust point. That's kind of what I wanted to get allude to. Like, if you trust people that they will get there, then I don't care how you do it. We just need to get mm-hmm. there, right? Like we agreed, we need to get there. So you you trust, and I don't, Then I don't micromanage along the way, like at all. Like I'm totally. You can do whatever you want. Uh, you promised to deliver this thing on Monday. I will have this thing ready. And then on Monday we meet and then we compare notes or whatever, right? So so, so to get back to, to that point, I think uh, uh, you want to you wanna ask into, like, if you're testing for this under an interview, you want to ask, like, how do they deal with tasks and deadlines? I think that's a good mm-hmm. question. And I think that's something not all leaders have a good answer to, which makes them think about how they actually do maybe.
1: I think that's a really good point. I think, you know, in, in interviews and things like that, one of the things I do like to ask is exactly that. How do you deal with KPIs? Are you with me every step of the way? Or are you going to say, here's where you need to be by this date. And while I can check in with you at certain milestones, it's up to me how we get to that point, or are you going to be breathing down my neck, you know, uh, asking me constantly, you know, I don't exactly frame it like that, but, you know, to get an idea of what is your leadership style? I think that's a very important question to ask the boss that you're going to have, you know, when you're in an interview, remember, you're also interviewing them. You know, you're seeing if this is going to be my place. And right now, there's a lot of opportunities out there for a lot of different positions. So I think you can be in a better position to really find a place that suits you. So ask them, you know, what is your leadership style? What is your management style? What would people say about you as a manager? Um, and I think these questions are good to the the, pers- the hiring manager, you know, to reflect, what will people say about my management style? Um, yeah. and, and that will give you a good indication of of how much um, authority you're going to have and how much you will actually be empowered as opposed to um, kind of micromanaged. Exactly. Like fundamentally, I
0: think you need to find someone who just believes in other people. Find, Find a boss who believes that you are good at what you do and you need the space to do what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that—that's what I'm looking for, and that's what I—who the people I want to work with—and that doesn't change if that's the boss or anything different. So find people who believe that you are good, not just trying to fill some shoes. They're trying to give you the room to fill the shoes you—the way you want to fill the shoes. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the best <laughs> anecdote I could do. But it's more like it's—I uh, think there's a lot of people who who strive and like they go for the job title. I, I don't—you shouldn't pick job titles. You should pick who you're working for, right? Or with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the important Important part. One thing I want to catch on to, like you brought up, uh, is, is actually uh, one thing I would catch on if I were interviewing today is metrics. So, and, and you brought it up yourself. So, ask the question of like, uh, when do you think I am successful in the, the role mm-hmm. I'm applying for, or what mm-hmm. we're working with here? When, when do you see me as success? And if they can't answer that clearly, then you actually have an indication that they don't know necessarily how to guide you and how to mm-hmm. lead you. And I think that's a problem. And that's a good question to to use for the interview phase or for when you're generally like just uh chatting with your boss, like, hey, do you think I'm do you think I'm successful? Yes, you're good. Okay. How do I get better? Right? Like mm-hmm. if they can't answer that, uh then, then you have a then you have a problem too.
1: I think that's a really great point. Yeah. What does what does good look like? And one thing I also always ask is what three things do you want me to accomplish in my first three months, four months, five months, whatever that might be, what would a good first six months look like? for the the person holding this post. And if they're not sure, then that should raise some alarm bells. But at the same time, if they're like, well, we want a new website and we want to uh, go viral and we want uh, (laughs) to appear, appear in top tier media, they also might have a very unrealistic view of what you should be doing and don't really understand maybe what is needed to get to those points. So I think asking those questions of what does success look like and how are you going to measure me my performance hmm. is uh, is a really good thing to ask. I talked to a person not too long ago that that was talking to
0: his c m o and the c m o uh, when that person asked what's the what's the vision for marketing and then that c m o couldn't answer that after having been in the role for like a year or something at least uh i think that would be a dangerous sign too and that's kind of that's kind of my point but this is that uh you need someone i i don't believe it's like not always crucial you can have leaders who are not necessarily visionaries or super visionary but in marketing i think it's a little bit more important than it might be in some other fields um so so when somebody asks me what's the vision for united fintech well, I would be able to answer that very clearly or like not maybe not the same sentence every single time. I can live with that. But you know, like be able to, to formulate and say like this is where I think we're going. Cuz uh, at the end of the day, your boss is your captain. Like it's the captain on the ship. And if he can't tell you what direction he's going in, then then you're probably going to find the road to be a little bit bumpy, right? <laughs> um and I think that's something I've learned in my career that if I'm the people I'm rep- reporting to uh reporting upwards if they can't tell me where we're going that's an issue and doesn't i I'm, and doesn't mean some sometimes you report to people who are not We'll get to this point maybe a bit. Who are not marketing experts, right? So it's not like I don't expect you, yeah, we're going to introduce conversation ads on LinkedIn. I'm going to do this like email blast. That's not what that's not vision for marketing. I'm saying, like, hey, we want to define the space, all these different elements that are bigger and tell you, okay, this is the direction we're going in. If you can't answer that and, and take marketing into account, then you have a, then. Like, especially if you need a knowledge guidance yourself, then it's probably not the right leader for you. No,
1: that's a great point. And I think that that leads us on to, um, there has been some debates if, if we go more down the kind of marketing specific road, I've seen some debates on LinkedIn, uh, and in, and participated in some myself, uh, where people are saying, should marketing report to a CRO?
0: And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that before I share mine. I think it's really hard. It's a really good question. And uh, to be honest, I don't really have a, uh, like, here's uh, my definitive answer. Personally, I think ma- marketing deserves its own seat at the table. In this day and age, marketing is such a crucial part of everything you do, that it deserves its own full attention. Can it be done by reporting to a CRO? Personally, the like, difference between a CRO and a CCO, Chief Commercial Officer, and Chief Revenue Officer is so minuscule and so hyped up that I don't really... I don't really buy into all of that yes is there a difference yes but is it big no 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 not at all so let's uh disregard that and essentially can you have a cco yes absolutely uh absolutely and, and that can work we had that templify right we didn't have a, templify didn't have a cmo until a like a year after i left or something so <laughs> so yes and it can work just fine but you like you need your then you need your cco to get marketing Because otherwise you end up in a situation which is what happens and what you're probably alluding to, right? 90% of the cases where it's like, hey, it's a sales leader who also happens to have marketing on the side. And that's just a problem. And it's just like, it just leads to so many bad decisions. Personally, I believe a CMO should be introduced way earlier. But of course, I'm marketing biased. But I also believe marketing is such a big part of the picture these days, right? Mm -hmm. Come on. It's the biggest revenue driver and it's also the biggest spender, why is it we're not putting, putting marketing at the forefront of what we do? Like, I'm not saying is, is the product not important? No, of course the product's important. And the same with sales. Is sales board, Yes, if it's a sales organization, it's really important. But so is marketing. I think the reason it's not, and it hasn't been for a while, is that the CMOs of the past, no hard feelings, have not been good enough at expressing what they're worth to the company, why did they deserve the seat at the table. And now it's up to us, the next generation, to prove that we deserve the seat at the table.
1: I think it's a, yeah, and you bring up a really good point. And I personally, I don't care what the title is. They just have to understand marketing. I think that's the important thing. And you you mentioned that. I don't care if you're a CRO. I don't care if you're a CMO. I've seen CROs who have a very heavy marketing background, and that's wonderful. But I've also seen CROs that are very, very, you know, they're basically sales leaders who have been promoted. And while that is good for the sales organization, and I understand the importance of driving revenue, marketing, as you said, and inbound in particular, is so important in driving revenue, but it's so it's so misunderstood. If you are only focusing on pipeline, immediate pipeline, quarterly targets, and things of that nature, marketing is driving things. It's a it it can be very long tail. It it can take a very long time to get things done. Grind, as right? long as you're exactly and. You're absolutely right. I think I think maybe CMOs in the past have fallen by the wayside because maybe there hasn't been this focus on revenue generation. And this is something we talk about in a lot of episodes that marketing should aim to generate revenue, but it can't just focus on low-hanging fruit demand capture. You have to generate that demand, which we're going to talk about in another episode. But you know, marketing is so much more than conversions, demo mm. signups, um, yeah. free trial signups. There's so much more happening. And I think I completely agree with you that when you are coming up with a product, you need marketing to figure out the market. You need marketing to figure out. Marketing is not just distribution. Marketing is also feedback. Marketing is also insights of the market. (laughs) The the core of the word is market and understanding the market. And I think that's something that a lot of companies forget is that, you know, you might have this really wonderful idea that we want to invent this platform, but if there's no need for it in the market it's never going to work so you need marketing you can and i think maybe a good way to start maybe is starting as a marketing led company where you produce something that the market needs as opposed to mm. you have this thing and you're trying to make the market need it and then through marketing you build the sales cycle you build the product you build everything out and you can kind of transition as as you grow
0: i, I think yeah and i think what you're what you're kind of alluding to a little bit also is like <clears throat> The core thing you I learned in business school when I was a kid, like while when you know, a kid. when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, back then, <laughs> is ten the, year old Casper is, in business yeah, school. Yeah, it's the story of the four P's, right? Like you know the four P's: product, price, promotion, and place, right? Those mm-hmm. used to be the four P's. Yes, they've changed, and you can argue there's a five P and blah blah blah. I don't. That's not my point here. My point is. They also include product. They also include price. And they also you include placement. These days, marketing has been degraded to just being promotion. That's all we do apparently. But I, I believe that if you put marketing at the point where it's like, okay, marketing is part of the whole pricing strategy, right? Like marketing helps mm-hmm. set the pricing. Marketing helps define where the product is going. Woo! Because who, like, yes, the sales talk to a lot of people. They talk one-to-one. That's crucial, valuable. Don't get me wrong. But who communicates with most people? That's by far mm-hmm. marketing. So they're also the ones that have a good, pretty good vibe of where everything's going. Right? And
1: who so, is doing so... marketing research? Who's looking at the competitor landscape? Exactly. Who is looking at who features and
0: that, right? like...
1: USPs and things like that? It's marketing. Yeah. And
0: design and marketing, As wrapping, long as marketing, right? is... Like, uh,
1: as long as marketing is being used the right way. Exactly. If marketing is being used the right way, marketing can have a hand in all of this. But if you stick to this kind of traditional idea of just promotion, hey, marketing, can you just put this on LinkedIn? Hey, marketing, can you just get this Google ad? That's limiting what you can get from marketing, and then it's very difficult for marketing to be at the table, right? Yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah. So okay. we're kind of going a little. We're kind bit of going off rails. the topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this would be. But I but, think all of this, you know, g- get this context, get this understanding of like if I'm joining a company as a marketing leader, where do you see marketing happening? What do you see them doing? I think is a really important question to ask. Yes. In this context. And, and, and,
0: and you, I need to have someone who, who understands it. A question that kind of I kind of thought about. So I think it's a really interesting one because I had it not too long ago. I think it was when I joined United Fintech. So does a leader need to be an expert on his or her field? What's your take on that?
1: There's Okay. So I, I think there's two schools of thought. I think the CEO... I think it was Richard Branson said the CEO should be the dumbest person in the room because that's why you hire good people. So I do not expect my CEO to know absolutely everything about marketing, but I expect my CMO or my VP to be able to understand at least the core pillars of marketing. And for me, those are branding, digital, and uh, product marketing. Those are just my three core areas that I think that a VP should know. Do they have to know how to be, do they have to be an SEO expert? Do they have to be a paid expert? No, but they have to understand how these interact, and they have to be able to communicate to upper management. This is how we are blending these these disciplines to make things happen, and then they hire people who are experts in that particular area. Yeah, my, exactly my right. I think it's um no, but it's it's a
0: very it's a very good take, Tim. I, I agree. <laughs> if you're in a startup, like both of you us, uh, us, both of we are in a scale-up, right? Day-to-day, day we do a lot of getting hands dirty, right? Like I do, and I think you do too, where it's like, okay, I need to fix this email campaign in HubSpot. Let me go and set that up. Boom, boom, boom. That's one version. But let's say you're the CMO for Microsoft. Then you're not in HubSpot fixing stuff. Probably not, right? Like then you're doing the wrong thing, right? Then you're leading people. So then it becomes much more of a strategic thing. I used to believe, and I think I was wrong. So here's the first time Casper admitting he was wrong. Wow. Hold well, on, everyone. It happens a lot. I just <laughs> want to point out, I admit I'm wrong a lot. I am wrong. A lot. But here I was definitely wrong. A few years ago, I like to believe that that you needed, you needed to be a marketing leader. And you need to be, you need to be hands on at, at least a, a big percentage of your week. I still believe you need to be close, hands on, but also think things have evolved, right? You need to be in the weeds enough to understand the vibe, the trends that are moving, the things that are moving. But I don't expect like in the CMO of Microsoft. I don't even know who that is, but uh, the CMO of Microsoft. I don't need them to be an absolute machine on LinkedIn. I don't need them to understand everything. I need to understand why. I need them to understand why it's important and where it fits into the big picture. But strategically, they need to be strong, right? And at some point, there comes a point where, where is that even like? What is it? What is it we ask of these like big leaders? Because startup leaders, I think that's almost an easier way to do it. Because like, yes, uh, in our case, we need to be pretty strong on everything, right? On all parameters. Where we don't need to be as strong is people management, right? Cause like yes, we, do we need to be strong? Yes, I have a team, but I don't have a uh, I don't have five hundred people under me, right? Like, because mm-hmm. uh, then mm-hmm. that's that's people management really hardcore, right? Like CMO of Microsoft, probably they probably even more. So so suddenly you're managing five hundred people. Whoa, okay, how do you do that? Then it's not about uh, being sharp on on technical marketing anymore, like mm-hmm. I am and you are, right? Like we're both pretty technical marketeers. I think for me that that's changed a bit. Uh, I uh, I realized, and also as I grow, uh, I got more people on my team. I'm also really thinking, okay, every every day that goes by, I get less and less time to be the technical Casper I used to be. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I will ever let it go? I don't think so, because that's the nature of who I am. Uh, but I can also see that there's just a breaking point where I just can't I can't do it anymore. Like, so so there will come a point where I have to make a very sharp like edge and say, this is what I do, this is what I'm not what I do. Mm-hmm. And I think a leader in this day and age needs to be really good at that. So I think that ties into my point around this. You need to pick a leader who's good at prioritization. And how do you how do you figure that out? I don't really have a good answer for that. Maybe you have. But, but, um, but find someone who understands the difference between what you should do and what you shouldn't do. It's a big deal because it ties into this whole strategy vision thing. When you come with an idea, say, hey, we should do this. You need to have someone who can tell, who can look at you and say, I don't think we should do that <laughs> mm-hmm. in, a, in a nice way. Right. Yeah. Uh, but explain why, but understand why it's not what where you need to go. Cause if, if you have a leader who says yes to everything, it's a mess. You'll right? get nothing done. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: I think for me, yeah, that brings up a really good point because for me, when I became a director, it was obviously it was something I had really wanted, but it was quite a wake up call because I went from digital marketing manager where I put my headphones on. I shoot some ads out. I look at my ads. I look at my platforms and I'm just listening to music Doing my thing, beep, boop beep, boop boop beep, boop boop. Doing my ads, job done, job done, job done. Five thirty, five o'clock, whatever. Thank you very Boom. much. As soon as I became director, that completely yeah. stopped. I was not in Facebook Manager or you know Ads Manager. I was not in the Google platform. I was not there. I was doing sick days. I was sitting in on strategy meetings. I yes. was on onboarding, and I was in um, you know go to market strategies. And I like that strategic side. So I think there comes a time where you go from tactical to strategic. And yes, it depends on the I size agree. of the company. And you and I are very technical marketers. We have been one person armies. You know, we have been this 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 you know the small team where you do everything.
0: Yes, <laughs> um, everything. so that's why we
1: have that, which is really good. But eventually I get to the point where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be running ads and sitting in on HR meetings, you know, and and, and so your responsibilities shift. And I became more of a people manager than a a digital marketing manager. And that was my new job. So my job was then to sit at the table and try to help with the strategy, understand where people, you know, where C-level want to go, how does that translate to marketing? And then how do I take the marketing performance and translate that into a way that C-level understand, that the executive team can understand and think you have to be able to say no. And that's something that I really had to learn in my career is you have to say no. Mm. And You have to sometimes say to people what they don't want to hear, whether that's your team going, hey, guys, I know that you've been working really hard on this, but there's been a change in strategy. We have to change focus now or saying to upper management, sorry, no, that's not going to work. Or Mm -hmm. if you want this. I'm gonna need A, B, and
0: C. It's a brilliant point, right? And I think that Tyson, mm-hmm. I've I actually get, I got I have three points on this, so I think it's, I think it's excellent, right? Because I've, uh, I recently had a, d- a debate with some of my own uh, end debate because we all agreed, but I think my 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 take is also like, it, be careful with being your, the best friends with your boss, and and <laughs> or it, it's, if it, your it's boss be like, best
1: friends with your with your team,
0: or what's like or someone because like favoritism is a thing, right? Like, and you don't want that, and and so I've always been to like. I can, as long as I can still, like, I I love my team. I'm like, hey, buddy, fist pumping, what up, how's it going? We talk about everything, right? But I'm also 100% aware that at some point, if it has to come, it doesn't have to because I love my team. They're great. Hopefully, I don't have to ever. But I'm not afraid to take the hard talks. And we have to be able to take the hard talks as a leader. So what you're looking for, I go back to in a good boss, is someone who's your friend and someone who's on your side, but who's not afraid to tell you when you're not doing the right thing. So if it's your best friend, you might be a little bit hesitant. If you notice that, then it's a problem as a leader. Like that's something to flag, right? Mm-hmm. And I think um, what my my point was also. Um, I wanted to make. It, I so I had, and it goes back to the CMO Microsoft point. Uh, my former C level from Templify, Erasmus, he told me once something smart I really liked once. Um, his job was to be reachable. And mm-hmm. I remember I was thinking about like, that's that's pretty good actually, like because he he was he was the manager of like 120 people or something, right? So. He doesn't, his calendar is fully packed all day, but he always tries to seem he's reachable. You have to feel that you can reach out to him and get to him Mm -hmm. because he can't be everywhere. He can't talk to 120 people in a week. It's not happening. can't can't happen, right? So he has to give the impression and be reachable. That's like, you can always reach me and give that impression and give that feeling. And then of course he always does that. And I remember specifically, I didn't do it much, but I was like, when I needed him, He would be there, like he would be like. I'd be like, "Hey, Rasmus, can you find the time?" And he's like, "I'll find the time for you. Give me half an hour." That's something I took with me because sometimes people go like, "Oh, Casper, you're all packed today," and I go like, "Is it important? Do we need? Yes. Okay, cool. I'll make happen. I'll make it happen. I don't know how. I'll we'll do it over Mm -hmm. lunch, or uh, I'll I'll, I can pee and you can stand outside and I talk while we pee, (laughs) or whatever. Like you know, I'll make it happen." (laughs) I've also seen leaders where they feel unreachable. And then you start distancing yourself and you're afraid, ooh, what a, I can't, like this guy's super busy, his calendar is completely full, I can't interrupt him, he's too busy. If you get to that point, then you create silos, yes. you create mistakes, and then you could miscommunication and it spirals out of there, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think, you know, we're running a little bit uh, over time, but good leader for me, what I look for is someone who is knowledgeable of the area knows big picture what needs to happen has the patience and understanding that marketing does not happen overnight what needs to be invested in to make it happen someone who is reachable but not my best friend (laughs) Um, i don't want to be best friends with my boss i want to you know have a good relationship good working relationship with that person and be able to say no i also would like to find someone who does not need to be the smartest person in the room and i have worked for people who need to be the smartest person in the room when they're not And that's where breakdowns in communication happen. That's where lack of trust builds. That's where all kinds of problems happen. I am the type of leader where I'll say to my team, I don't know this area. When it comes to SEO, I suck at SEO, okay? I know it's not something I know. So I will say to my team, this is your area. I trust you. I want more organic traffic. That's my goal. Let's increase Mm -hmm. organic traffic by X amount. Up to you to figure out how to do that. And I trust you. Um, So being able to say, I don't know.
0: Exactly, and I think also mm-hmm. one, one thing we are good at like I know I know quite little about SEO, but I'm still good enough to challenge things and I think that's the yes. important part because you need to know enough to say is this the right direction so mm-hmm. when somebody says, I think we should uh, get uh, a million Indian backlinks and then I am capable enough to yeah. say I'm not too sure that's a that, is that really the argument for why that's yeah, a good yeah, idea that's right true. Mm-hmm. So, so you need to be in, uh, like, you need to be able to play the devil's advocate. You need to get to that level, but I don't need mm-hmm. to be the expert because I'm definitely not exactly. an expert on SEO. Right? Exactly. And so I think you did a perfect the, summary here, though, Jen.
1: The humility uh, to admit when you don't know, I think, is really yeah, exactly. important too. Last so, point,
0: and then I think we round it off because we went super over time. I always said uh, empathetic. Like, uh, I don't know yeah. if you mentioned this. I don't think we did. So it's, I have it here, like empathetic is just important, right? Like you need to have mm. empathy for people. Like my wife literally brought it up the other day. When, when somebody uh, is not, let's say somebody's not at there for the meeting, you don't say, you don't, you don't start by saying, Hey, you should be here at the meeting. You say, Hey, are you okay? Is there anything is happening? Okay? Is there a reason you're not at the, uh, are you okay? Right. That's the question. Not like, cause then they can say, Hey, it's because X, Y, Z. Usually if you trust people, then there's a reason they're not doing what you expect of exactly. them. Right. Exactly. And
1: that also, I think I know we're going over, but that brings up a really good point is I think for a long time, empathy doesn't get the respect it deserves when it comes to leadership styles. Um, And I think that COVID has shown us and lockdown and all of this has shown us that the importance of empathy over everything. And that was something that I learned with my team, that empathy builds trust. If you need a day off because you're just having a really tough time, I'd rather have you take a day off, come back at hundred percent, then power through at 60%. And I trust you. I trust you to tell me. And I think that that is, and that leads into, again, being trusted by your boss. And part of the great resignation that we're seeing across the world is people are sick and tired of working for non-empathetic leaders I think exactly so I think that's a really great point that empathy is really and let's important.
0: uh let's end on that note don't go yeah. for non-empathetic leaders
1: and good luck out there <laughs>
0: yeah know your worth know your <laughs> worth take know care your worth. find a good boss right. Bye. bye,
1: bye.